It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a, a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Older than wise. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Oh, yeah, time to head home for Thursday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy, and you are always connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Thoughts, questions, suggestions, we've got the line open. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. And, of course, I'm sure a lot of Hoosiers fans wanting to weigh in with their thoughts on last night's game against the Northwestern Wildcats. A tough one for the Hoosiers after they fought their way back to get into position with a chance down the stretch. We'll break that down for you coming up here in minutes. Also on the way, Eric Dute, Dute Kevich will join the show of course, we have Parkview Sports Medicine join us every week on Thursdays, and Duke will give us another top five coming up today. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about the girls' semi-state as the Snyder Lady Panthers have a rematch against a team that Homestead's familiar with because Homestead just played them last week. Uh, Fishers. It's the Fishers Tigers, I believe. And so we'll talk to Duke coming up later this hour, about 30 minutes down the road. Also, we're going to step aside a little bit early today. We'll be out of here by 5.30 because we've got to turn it over to Rob Blackman and the Purdue Men's Basketball Network as the Purdue Boilermakers take on the Maryland Terrapins on the road at College Park, Maryland. And we've got your pregame starting at 5.30. So the Sports Rush, a 90-minute edition today. And then Purdue Basketball tips off around 6.30. It is a very busy Thursday. A lot happening in the world of sports because really it started last night with the Indiana Hoosiers and the Northwestern Wildcats right down to the stretch. And, uh, boy, the Hoosiers, they battled back. And, again, I've, I've talked about the fact that they were soft. And last night, again, they showed some toughness. They played horrible basketball in the first half. They just could not find any kind of rhythm, any kind of groove. When they did get an open shot, they found a way to roll it off the rim and not get it to go. They finished uh, in the first half. They were 6 of 21 from the field for just 29%. In the second half, they completely flipped it around, hit 16 of 24 shots for 67%. They also figured out who their star was because Trace Jackson Davis had a big second half. Jalen Hood-Shafino finished with 13 points. Race Thompson also Got into the act. He finished with 13 points, including four of four from the field and five of six at the free throw line. And the Indiana Hoosiers came from, what was it at, at the biggest uh, point? 20-some points was the largest lead. Um, it was because they, you know, we, we've got a box score and it says largest lead. And it says Indiana's largest lead was zero. 
And under uh, Northwestern, their largest lead was zero. Didn't say, but it was 20 some points, I think, at one point in that first half. It, it was, I mean, the route was on and nothing yeah. was going right for the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, at one point it was 39 to 18. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was just embarrassing. And, and in fact, that was at a point where, what was the score? 30, was it like, it was like a 15 point game, maybe a 16 point game. And I thought, well, if Indiana over these last three minutes or so of this first half can somehow get it down to around 10 or 12, they'll be in pretty good shape going to the second half. In fact, even at 16 points, I didn't think they were out of it. Uh, but, but then it got to be, 41 points, 19 points by the half. Indiana with just 20 first-half points. Uh, They were on pace to score just 40 points for the game, and they end up scoring 42 all by themselves in the second half. Just completely turned things around. I don't know that they made any drastic adjustments. I just think they executed better. They played harder. They started to defend much better. I mean, at first half, they left Audige open two or three times for really clean looks at three, and that's Chase Audige's game. I saw you tweet about that. Yeah. I'm like, what is Indiana doing dropping down on screens? Chase Audige is hunting threes. That's what he does. He wants to hit the big shot. And he loves to get the crowd reaction from one of his shots. He eats it up. And so it's like, do not give him those kind of shots, especially at home. And and the other thing is, if you get him to drive and attack, he will throw some garbage up at the basket. He is a guy that can play a little bit out of control once he starts driving to the hoop. And so I thought, that is not the way you play Chase Audige. You go over the top, you stay on him tight at the three-point line, and you force him to try to beat you on a drive to the basket because that's not the best part of his game. Indiana allowed him to play the best part of his game in that first half, but then they seemed to all tighten up in the second half, and they played much better defense. And, you know, I, I said yesterday, in fact, I, I kind of set you up perfectly for this game. I told you exactly, almost exactly, what was going to happen on yesterday's show. If you happen to miss my prediction on this game, here was what I said about Indiana Northwestern on yesterday's Sports Rush. I see this game being possibly first to 60 wins, you know, a 64 to to 59 or a 63 to 61. I mean, very similar to what we saw with Michigan. Oh. Not bad. Pretty close. Yeah, 63, 61. If I would have just, when I said 64, just said 62. In fact, you know, we, we could have used the clever editing there, you know, when you uh, remember how I've I've edited a couple of pieces to make it sound like I was much closer than I actually was. But 63-61 is pretty close where the final score is 64-62. to 62. You got the two-point margin right. I got the two-point margin. I also said it was going to be a game where it was a struggle to get over 60. I said it was also going to be a game that was very similar to the Michigan game, which... Michigan finished, what, 63-62, I think was the final. So it's almost identical in score to the Michigan game. But all the talk about this one was not the Hoosiers disaster in the first half or the fantastic comeback to give it a game down the stretch. It was all about one play. Hoosiers fans want to focus on one call, or I should say no call, that the whole game was decided on that one call. Yeah, That's how, how it happens. How quickly they forgot that there was 39 minutes and 57 seconds of basketball that was played before that one call that apparently 
made the other 39 minutes and 57 seconds pointless. I'm sorry, just because there was a call that probably could have gone the other way, and I'm not going to say it was the right call because I I probably, in my gut, feel like it was a charge. Boo Booey drove in to the chest of, uh, and it was it Miller Cop or Trey Galloway that was defending? I think it was Galloway. Drove the defender off to get space to put up that little eight-foot floater. I I understand. You're probably not happy with that, that there wasn't a whistle and an offensive foul wasn't called. But that wasn't the game. The game was decided when Indiana played horrible basketball through the first 20 minutes. Uh, you know, the game was decided when Jalen hood Shafino threw an alley-oop that almost cleared the top of the backboard. With just, uh, what, a minute left or so, and he comes down and sails an alley-oop that almost goes over the top of the backboard. It hit at the very top of the backboard, had no chance of getting that pass to Trace Jackson Davis. And Trace Jackson Davis did have an opening. He was clear on the backside, and all they had to do was lob it over the defender, not try to lob it up by the rim. And uh, sometimes you got to remember the point of the pass is not to place it up there where your guy can go get it. It's to place it to your guy where he can do something with it. And and it was just a horrible pass and, and a bad turnover for Indiana at a key point of the game. Uh, I didn't necessarily like the call. I thought it probably could have been a charge. Boo Booey is a very aggressive driver, but Boo Booey has played how many years in this league? And... That's his game. He attacks. He attacks hard to the basket. He'll play through physicality. Sometimes he beats you to the basket. I mean, that's... And was there a person in the building or watching on TV that didn't get the sense when there's about 15 seconds left and Boo Booey is just killing time, dribbling out at midcourt, that Boo Booey was going to basically clear out and get a one-on-one? Okay, that's a mistake on Indiana right there. You can blame the official, but in my mind, Boo Booey shouldn't have had his hand on the basketball. You race you race out, double team him, force Boo Booey to give it up to somebody else. Boo Booey. You know I like saying that name. Yep, yep. We've got a couple texts on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Someone said, I'm an IU fan and they just plain stink on the road. Um, they didn't bring the assembly hall energy in that first half. They had to be reminded what it takes to win. And and here's the thing. Winning on the road is all about being tougher than your opponent. Because your opponent is always going to bring their highest level of toughness because they have that extra energy. They sometimes have a little more swagger, a little more confidence. And you've got to match that intensity and then some. Indiana didn't match it with Northwestern. Northwestern came out confident after getting the win over Purdue. They had a raucous crowd that they got into the game. They started to feel very good about themselves, which makes shots go in. There's no second guessing. There's no doubting. You get a shot and you take it feeling like I can't miss right now. And that's the way Northwestern played that first half. And Indiana didn't do anything. It's kind of like getting free punches. And Northwestern just kept taking the free punch until Indiana finally fought back. 
And they did it in the second half. And I thought Indiana played a really tough uh, half of basketball in that second half when they outscored Northwestern 42 to 25. And believe me, scoring 42 against that Northwestern defense is worth something. And so if you're an Indiana fan, I think you can be disappointed the call wasn't made. You can't blame the game on the call. You've got to look at yourself and hold the team accountable. And the team was bad in the first half. But you also leave this game not terribly disappointed. Not discouraged about the Hoosiers. Because we still see that the Hoosiers are competitive. They're fighting. They, you know, they just played a bad half of basketball. But... They've got Xavier Johnson, who still is not healthy, but yet the the stories that were coming out, at least on the broadcast last night, is that Mike Woodson is anticipating Xavier Johnson <clears throat> being available for uh, for the end of the season, and that will be a big pickup. Will Xavier Johnson be available to play on that February 25th game a week from Saturday against the Purdue Boilermakers? Um. You know, we'll see how, how his progress is, but uh, but that will add a whole extra dimension, especially defensively, because that final play, you know who would have been guarding Boo Booey? It would have been Xavier Johnson. And maybe it hurt Indiana that they didn't have him on the floor for that final play. But because you don't have him on the floor, I think Indiana's got to run out, get the ball out of Boo Booey's hands, and don't let him get it back. And you do it early because you know Northwestern doesn't want to take a shot till about three or four seconds, right? So at 15 seconds, 14 seconds, 13 seconds, you run out and you double-team Boo Booey. Then he has to get rid of the ball. Now Northwestern's kind of stuck and someone else has to take over who really didn't plan on having the final possession and having the ball in their hands, whether it's Robbie Barron's, whether it's... Uh, um, Ty Berry, whether it's Chase Audige, whether it's Brooks Barnheiser. I don't know if he was on the floor at the time. But the point is, somebody other than Boo Booey has to be the one to beat you. I uh, want to get your thoughts on this. Someone uh, texted in, IU lost by two and gave Northwestern four points on technical fouls. Uh, bench technicals should never happen, and IU has multiple this season. Lack of control. Mike Woodson wouldn't talk about it after the game, and so I really don't know the details of what the technicals were about because the officials aren't going to share that either. I don't know if there were F-bombs being dropped from the Indiana bench. Uh, I do know Mike Woodson, after the first technical, tried to get Larry Serrato's attention. Larry Serrato was here refereeing a game just a couple of weeks ago at the Gate Center. Um. And Mike Woodson tried to get his attention, ran out, and and kind of from the side where he didn't have Serato's attention, he reached out and grabbed Serato's arm to get his attention, and touching the official was what prompted the second technical. Now, that's a pretty quick trigger, because he didn't do anything forcefully or aggressively. He kind of just went and grabbed the arm to get his attention, because it was a loud arena and probably yelling, especially the way Mike Woodson talks, it probably would not have gotten his attention. So, uh, but the first technical, I wasn't even sure if it was Mike Woodson who got it or whether it was somebody else on the Indiana bench that maybe had some chirping. But uh, it did seem to be a bit of a quick whistle. And Indiana's been caught on a couple of those. And I don't know, again, you'd have to be there and hear what the conversations are. Sometimes officials will come over during timeouts when we aren't privy to see it on TV. 
and they will talk to the coaches and just say, hey, I need to make sure you're on the bench. You can't be standing up. Uh, I don't want to have to tee you up, so make sure you're staying seated. Sometimes they'll say, hey, I've heard enough from the assistants, and they'll tell the head coach, I don't want to hear anything more from your assistants. you got to get them under control. And, you know, I don't know if that was done or said, but, yeah, those four points turned out to be pretty important by uh, the time the game was all said and done. But uh, I, I, it's hard for me to say uh, they shouldn't have gotten technicals because I don't know – I don't know enough about it. You know, it's we see one thing happen, but it doesn't mean that there hasn't been conversations or there hasn't been warnings or somebody, you know, because I I did notice there were like a couple of, of assistants that were up and maybe off the bench at the time when the first technical was called. Now, Mike Woodson is always the one that they're going to assume got the technical as the head coach, but I'm not even sure. And when they asked Mike Woodson, he refused to answer the question in the postgame press conference. So I never got an answer from him in the postgame either. Uh, watching that, Big Ten Network had the entire postgame presser for Mike Woodson, who talked about two minutes, and then for uh, Chris Collins, who talked for like 25 or 30. Unbelievable. Did uh, You didn't catch that last night? No, I was doing hockey. Uh, by the way, what happened with hockey last night? Uh, I believe that... Uh, I forget the results of the first game, but I definitely know that Leo won the second game. Okay. There you have the complete scoreboard from Adam Lundy. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go. You sat here and listened to four hours of hockey, and you don't know who won. Yeah. Okay. Do you have headlines for us today? Yeah, I do. You want to you want to get into those? Yeah, let's let's just go ahead and get today's top headlines. Hopefully, this will have more complete information from Adam Lundy. Well, Tim McCarver, the all-star catcher and Hall of Fame broadcaster, who during 60 years in baseball won two World Series titles with the Cardinals and had a long run as one of the country's most recognized and talkative television commentators, passed away today. He was 81 years old. First in line for a heavenly date with Raquel Welch. Buddy Heald surpassed Reggie Miller last night for the most three-point field goals made in a single season in Pacers franchise history when he hit his 230th three-pointer. Heald accomplished the feat in just 60 games, 21 less than what it took Reggie Miller to hit 229 during the 96-97 season. Buddy Heald will be competing this weekend in the three-point contest at the All-Star Game. What chance do you give him? He's won before. You're giving him uh, odds versus Randall? Oh, man, watch out for Julius Randle in the three-point competition. Don't oh, get me started. What is Julius Randle doing in the three-point shooting contest? He's a replacement. We were joking before the show and said they should have, like, a a separate three-point shooting contest, and you could put Ben Simmons, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> Julius Randle, maybe throw in a Miles Turner. I don't know who else we would need to put in there. Somebody who probably shoots a lot of threes that has no business shooting a lot of threes. Um, and, Brooke Lopez. Uh, Brooke Lopez might be one. A couple of those guys, though, you think shouldn't shoot threes, but they're actually pretty yeah, accurate. And then I, they, bet, I bet Brooke Lopez is a 35% three-point shooter or better. Wouldn't surprise me. I got one more for you, Brett. The Chicago Bears announced that they have officially closed on the purchase of the 326-acre Arlington Park property. Finalizing the purchase does not guarantee the land will be developed, but it is an important step in our ongoing evaluation of the opportunity, well, said the Bears. It would be an important step. If you're planning on building a stadium on a, on a plot of land, you might want to own the land before you begin construction. That's Yeah, it seems it's like recommended. A, it's an important step. 
There you go. Today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. Plenty more to discuss. And, of course, we're taking your text at 46862 on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Coming up, big game tonight. Purdue is at Maryland. We'll talk about it. Plus, we've got Duke joining us at about 435. You're listening to the Thursday edition of the Sports Rush of 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862, homecoming weekend for the Mastodons. That means you've got women's basketball that starts in about 30 minutes. They'll be taking on Northern Kentucky. Uh, you've got, or Wright State, rather. Uh, they've got Wright State tonight. And then uh, later on tonight, it's men's volleyball against Ohio State. And uh, what else is this weekend? Oh, the Mastodons men's basketball games. Friday night at the Coliseum against Northern Kentucky. And Sunday, they'll have Senior Day out at the Gates Center. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, it's pretty cool what they're doing for homecoming. Um, I got a, an email today talking about what, they've, what they're doing for homecoming. And uh, it, it's pretty awesome. Let me just see. Um, okay, so... There's a pregame bash coming up tomorrow night at the Coliseum for students. There's going to be a DJ. They've got food vouchers for the first 250 students. They've got free glow sticks for the first 1,000 fans, a free sweatshirt for the first one, first 500 fans, free stadium blanket for the first 500 students. There's a student raffle where they will give away an iPad uh, and they're doing all this before the game. So hopefully tomorrow night when the Mastodons take on Northern Kentucky, it'll be a good crowd out at the Coliseum. But then on Sunday, it's the wrap-up of homecoming weekend, and it's also senior day for Jared Godfrey, Bobby Planutis, Rob Petty, and Damian Shonqui. And uh, four guys that are starters that have been key contributors over the last couple of years of Mastodons basketball. And, of course, Jared Godfrey, who's uh, leaving the program as the all-time scoring champion in the history of Mastodon's basketball. But uh, we're going to let you have a chance to be part of that environment at the Gates Center. Now, remember, here's what's cool about the Gates Center. Free parking. Concessions are run by, they were being run by the uh, women's soccer team the other day. And uh, I think uh, my soda was like two bucks. So you get cheap concessions, free parking, and every seat in the place is a great seat. You're right on top of the action of Division One basketball, top-level basketball. And uh, we've got tickets to give away. And so we're going to do that today. All you've got to do is text the word DONS, D-O-N-S, to 46862. And these are tickets for Sunday's game against Wright State at the Gates Center. And you will have to be able to come pick them up tomorrow at our office. That's right, because I got the tickets. Those are the <laughs> those are the tickets right there. They're uh, actual printed tickets. We cannot send them to you digitally, so you do have to stop by the office tomorrow uh, between roughly eight fifteen and four forty five. In case somebody's late or leaves early, so eight fifteen to four forty five tomorrow out here at the office at Maples Road which uh, is just uh, between the old Southtown Mall and the 469 Bypass. Uh, one point I wanted to make about the Indiana game, and I failed to make it when we were talking about it before the break, but here's the other thing that, you know, a lot of Indiana fans are saying that they got screwed by the call and it cost them the game. 
The game was not decided by that no call. Because if they do call it, Indiana gets the ball with three and a half seconds, a tie game, but they're in the baseline backcourt and have to go to the length of the court to try to get a shot or to win the game in regulation. So the chances would be that it's going overtime, and then you've got to win an overtime game on the road, which isn't the easiest thing to do either. So the game was not like a one-point Indiana lead, and that bucket flipped the game to Northwestern. And if it would have called the pe- the uh, charging call, that it would have been an Indiana victory, because that's not the case point at all. It was a tie game when Boo Booey attacked the basket, had a little bit of a collision, and ended up hitting the winning bucket from about seven or eight feet away, a little one-handed floater. Northwestern is your second place team right now in the Big Ten standings. I told you I was going to ask it on today's show. Is Northwestern the best team in the Big Ten? Wait a minute. Are you forgetting there's a team in West Lafayette? That Northwestern has a win over? Oh, come on. You're going to try to sell the argument to me that Northwestern is better? They beat them. Than the Purdue Boilermakers? They beat them. Oh, my gosh. This, the, that sound you're hearing is Adam's credibility hitting the bottom of the trash can. What are you talking I'm, about? I'm being a little bit silly here, but, I mean, I mean, it, it got to ask. They have now have wins over Indiana and Purdue, and they're second in the Big Ten. Look at the one-loss records overall. <laughs> That's true. You know, the, the Mastodons gave – the Mastodons were only one point down to Northwestern with, like, two minutes left, two or three minutes left. They gave them a run. And then, uh, unfortunately, Northwestern scored the last seven points, and I think all seven of them were scored by, who was it, uh, Adam? Yeah, Boo Booey. <laughs> Purdue, Maryland tonight. We've got your coverage. We'll be on the broadcast with the uh, Sports Rush stepping aside at 530. It's, uh, it's going to be a tough one for the Boilermakers. And they're, I don't want to say backs against the wall, but... You know, you don't want to, you don't want to kind of coast into the Big Ten tournament or, uh, or the especially the NCAA tournament. And right now, Purdue may not be playing its best basketball. Zach Eady might not be playing its best basketball. I've tried to ask a couple of different people that cover Purdue: Are we seeing signs of fatigue from this team? They they went from being the hunter to being the hunted. You know, when they started the season in November, they were out hunting teams. Now they're the team that's being hunted, and it's putting a lot of pressure on the guards because there's a lot of expectations now with the Purdue Boilermakers. Are the guards getting physically and mentally worn down? And is that causing them to make mistakes? Because tired players or mentally tired players, either one, will make mistakes and often have higher turnovers than you expect. That's part of being tired. And... uh and Zach Eady, I don't think, has been at his best the last couple of games. So we'll see what happens with uh, – and, of course, when Zach Eady's not at his best, he's scoring 24 <laughs> and getting 15 or 16 rebounds. Yeah, I mean, he's still having like a double-double. That's a slump. He's just, you know, just pure trash. Uh, you know, but uh, but I wonder – I really do wonder, though, if the fatigue and the pressure of being that number one team and, and every game you go out, you're being hunted, you're going to get the most energy from your opponents – 
I mean, that's the other thing is there's no no day off at all for a number one ranked team. You've got to win. You've got to match the intensity of your opponents. You're always going to get the best that they can give you. And uh, Zach Eady's dealing with the doubles and the triples and aggressive overplays. Maybe some fouling on Zach Eady that the officials aren't calling right now. And I know there's a big controversy about the quality of the officials. One thing, and I think we mentioned this in the show, um, because we talked about this a couple of days ago with Rob Blackman, is that it's a different group of officials, okay, that it, that is working right now in the Big Ten. The cycle is different. It used to be the same 12 to 15 guys. I mean, every game it would be like, oh, there's Carsonson, there's Courtney Green, there's Chris Beaver. Uh, you know, there's Terry Oglesby, there's Terry Weimer, and there's Larry Serrato. I mean, you knew the group of guys that was going to do the games, you just didn't know which game they would be assigned. Now you get Ron Groover, you get uh, uh, all these different um, officials from around the country that are coming in and doing big 10 games. And so there's not the familiarity with the players. The players aren't familiar with the officials. The coaches aren't as familiar with the officials. I don't know if that's affected it, but when you say big 10 officials, it's not the same as it used to be. There used to be a group of officials that were primarily Big Ten officials. Now, the way it's being scheduled, these aren't just, quote, Big Ten officials. Um, it, it's college basketball as a whole. And a lot of the officials that people have been complaining about are officials that worked Final Four games, National Championship games, because the Big Ten does still get a rotation of the best of the best that's out there. 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Uh, we got to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Eric Dute, Dute Kevich. We've got to get our boys top five for this week. We head into a big week. Tomorrow night, we could uh, get, a, uh, get an SAC champion. And uh, coming up on Saturday, we've got the semi states, which now is kind of the regional format where you've got the morning and night games. So it's, it's going to be a busy, uh, busy couple of days for us. We'll talk to Dute about it when we return here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Mike Nutter, team president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Did you see the announcement from the Tin Caps earlier today? I certainly did. The Fighting Tenderloins. The Hoosier State Tenderloins. The Hoosier State Fighting Tenderloins. They're not fighting. Oh, I don't know. You, you know, if you're going to be a mascot, you're fighting. The Fighting Tenderloins are coming to Tin Caps uh, to Parkview Field this summer, an early weekend in August. It's uh, the uh, alternate identity type uniforms. And to, I, I guess, what is... I did not know this. I've lived here my whole life, and I never knew that Fort Wayne, I mean, I know that Fort Wayne's the birthplace of NBA basketball, but maybe it's because I'm not big on tenderloins that I did not realize wow. that Fort Wayne supposedly is the birthplace of the tenderloin. Well, technically, it's Huntertown, Nick's Kitchen. down That's in Huntington. I thought it was Huntertown. Oh, no, no. Once again, your credibility, just going right to this track. See, this is my problem. We have a Huntington and a Huntertown. It's too confusing. Okay. That's too... I, I'm okay. going to get them confused at some point. Well, you just did. There you go. It's Huntington. Uh, you know, somebody who probably knows that and can attest to the fact Oh, I'm going to get Knicks, destroyed on the text the line. The Knicks is in Huntington. It is a... I mean, this is a pretty popular place. They're joining us now on the uh, guest line. 
It is from Parkview Sports Medicine, Eric Dute, Dute Kevich. Dute, have you been to Nick's Kitchen? I have been one time. It was for breakfast, so I did not have the tenderloin. But, yes, it is definitely in downtown Huntington. Very famous place. I think uh, Dan Quayle announced his vice presidential run from there and everything. I mean, it is a huge deal down there. That is that is a staple of the Huntington community. I'm dealing with a young pup. He, uh, in fact, he's looking at me like, "Who's Dan Quayle?" <laughs> uh, but, 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 but uh, do we? Hey, time flies. Yeah, I, I do want to ask you before we get into the boys' top five this week. I, I want to ask you and, and get your thoughts on the Indianapolis Colts selecting Shane Steichen as their next head coach. Yeah, I mean. It, it, I, I think it'll be, uh, you know, a good hire, hire off the bat. I know it took a long time for the Colts to get to this point, but I think, you know, Jim Ursay and, and Chris Ballard and just listening to what they said in the press conference yesterday, you know, it was like it took six weeks, so be it. I think they were very impressed with uh, Shane Strykin, and I think another offensive line that comes into the Colts, um, it looks like, you know, very, uh, you know, that, that uh, Philip Rivers – Really put a lot of input in that, and in, in, in putting uh, uh, Shane striking uh, on the map for that job, and, and I think it's it is a process, and I think the NFL is so offensive minded, um, and and it's it's kind of weird too that we're going we're seeing back to back offensive coordinators from the Eagles to come in, but uh, you know I think it's just it's a different, like Chris Ballard said different team there in that capacity as well so you know an up-and-coming guy in the nfl um just a couple years i think one year with the with the eagles and now he's he's uh, you know in a couple years with the uh chargers before that and so now he he takes over uh, as head coach at age 37 and uh uh the big question now is what they do with quarterback and i think bringing in a mind like uh shane striken will pretty much you know, is a big part of that puzzle as far as what they're going to do and 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 getting such a high pick in the draft as well. So I think uh, that's where it starts getting his staff assembled, but then also uh, diving deep into to what uh, the Colts do as far as the quarterback position. Eric Dutkevich, of course, you hear him on our Parkview Sports Medicine High School Basketball Post Game Show, and tomorrow night they'll be coming to you live from Wayndale and. Uh, Hey, that's a great place. Remember last time we were at Waynedale after the Columbia City Wayne football game? We went over there, and uh, Adam and I were there, and we had some some fans that came by and had a great time in Waynedale. So you guys will have a fun time coming up on Friday night after the Concordia Cadets take on the Wayne Generals, two teams I don't think we expected to see fighting for an SAC championship, but here we are. Yeah, absolutely. It should be a great matchup there tomorrow night, and, and it's kind of cool to see how the SAC season has gone. Of course, you know, Homestead and Concordia were scheduled to play last week. That game was postponed, um, so if that game is still looming large in the SAC standings, uh, I think they were scheduled that for February 21st. So, you know, this is the big one on Friday night, and it should be fun time out there. And, and Wayne Dale, another great staple of the community, that, that part of town, um, and so looking forward to being out there for the post-game show to get everybody uh, caught up on scores and, and stats and, and, and coaches' interviews as well. And keeping the guys, uh, you know, your your cohorts in line, which is oh, probably yeah. the biggest that's always just challenge, ma- too. Just make, I sure mean, that's what, make sure they <laughs> that show up. a long show. <laughs> uh, Eric, uh, got to ask you about um, 
uh, about the sex or the semi-state uh, Snyder girls taking on Fishers. This is a rematch from an early season game. Snyder won that one, but Fishers hasn't lost since. And Homestead saw just how good Fishers can be at the regional. Still don't like the format because I think if yeah. you go into a semi-state, it's great to go cheer all you can for one game because it means going to state or going back home. And I loved that uh, about the semi-state. This year, it's going to be the morning games with the night game championship. And Snyder starts it off 10 a.m. at Huntington. They did get a break in the location. And they take on Fishers. What do you expect? Yeah, I think this game will be a fantastic game. I mean, two very good teams on the on that top half of the bracket. Number 10, Snyder. Number 3, Fishers. Snyder getting their first regional since 2010. And coming into the semi-state game looking to get, uh, get on, keep moving on. Uh, winning 19 of their last 20, and then Fisher's 18 straight wins, so something's got to give. Very similar match teams as far as statistics go. Snyder won uh, in November against Fisher's by 11, and then last season they beat uh, the Panthers beat the Tigers by five, so those were the two previous meetings of this team. So Fisher's a relatively young school, and so starting to play some of the Fort Wayne schools more, so this should be a fun matchup. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to pick against my Snyder Panthers in this one, but I just Fishers has looked so good, especially as of late. They got the Smith twins, uh, they're Haley and Olivia who lead the way, um, and I just think that if there's just a little bit too much out of Fishers, we saw it against Homestead, like you mentioned. Uh, but you know, Snyder won't go quietly with Jordan Poole, Janae Donahue, Ciara Sims had a big game, a double double at the regional. Um, and if they can get up and hold on to that lead, I think they got a chance. So that first quarter is really going to be key for both teams just to kind of figure out where everybody is and choose evenly matched teams, I think. Eric Dute, Dutkevich from Parkview Sports Medicine, joining us on our guest line. And uh, I guess we've got to get to this thing called the Top 5. And, of course, remember, this is a snapshot. This isn't a season-long poll. This is simply who we feel has had the best week, and uh, count them down five through one on the boys' side. And so you know where we start, Duke. We'll go right at it. Number five. Number five, we say hello to the Belmont Braves. You know, this team with four straight wins now sitting in 11-8. and eight. Hard to believe just a couple weeks ago this was a sub-500 team. They finished three and four of the NE8, but uh, starting to put it all together, getting some momentum heading into uh, as as the postseason nears four straight wins like i mentioned they had they edged angola uh and then they play some out of conference games in bluffton and lures this weekend so some chances to get you know this team just under 55 points a game all season but have scored 63 or more in their last uh, three of their last four so belmont's starting to click a little bit that should be a fun team to watch in the tourney let's move up to number four number four we find the jay county patriots a little bit on the outskirts of, of the 1380 listening area, but hey, this team uh, battled through, gets a clinches a share of the ACAC title on a buzzer beater from Blake Bogenschutz. So a huge win for them, 45 to 44 last weekend. They've won three of their last four and six of their last eight after a two and seven start. They struggled in non-conference, but did pretty good in their conference play. Uh, you know, an eight and nine team that wins a conference title, kind of an interesting thing, but that's just kind of the way the ACAC runs. 
and the Patriots find themselves at number four. I think the FCC wants a copy of the tape. I just want to make sure that slip of the tongue, they just want to clarify exactly what came out Quench of your mouth there. A share. <laughs> a share of the ACAC. Say that five times fast. <laughs> no, I won't because I do. I, I am a little intimidated by the FCC. Let's move up to number three. Uh, number three, the other ACAC champions, we find the Adams Central Flying Jets. You know, they're starting to move up. They get the others receiving votes, sitting at number 12 in the Class 2A poll. 15 straight wins after a 1-4 start, of course. First ACAC title in 11 years. And, of course, how can we forget uh, Ethan Poling, the new all-time leading scorer in Adams Central history, uh, sitting at 1,198 points. And that brings us up to number two. Number two, those Wayne Generals we'll see tomorrow night. 15-4, and four, one in the SEC. Of course, they, they are in kind of sole possession of that lead right now with Homestead and Concordia not playing last week. Just under 65 points a game, but 70 points at four of their last five. Seven straight wins is the longest streak in the SEC and their longest streak since 1999. So, very impressive Wayne team. They continue to be hot. Javon Lewis has been playing well all season. A big one versus Concordia out at Wayne tomorrow. How much fun will that matchup be with Javon Lewis against Washington? That's going to be fun. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about number one this week on Dutes Top 5. Number one is the Norwell Knights. How about it? Their first time at number one on the polls this season. They clinched the second time back-to-back any eight championships. Uh, First time in school history they've gone back-to-back for a conference title. That's pretty cool. Eleven straight wins. They beat Huntington North, Heritage recently, Columbia City, New Haven, Belmont, and even Wayne. This team is just rolling and has been rolling all year, averaging over 70 points a game. Um, And now they got some big games coming up for themselves. They play Jay County tomorrow. That's the ACAC champ. Uh, Concordia on Saturday and host Homestead to close out the regular season next Friday. Luke McBride also now 49 points from scoring uh, from set, uh, from the school record at Norwell set the any eight record last week. Also, a quick congratulations to Snyder Junior. Jordan Poole. Today it was announced that she will be part of the Futures Games, which is something new. Of course, we all know the Indy Star Girls All-Star Classics, and you've got the Senior Squad, the Junior Squad, but now they've got a Futures Squad, which will be for those that are underclassmen in uh, freshman, sophomore, or even junior year. And uh, Jordan Poole selected to be part of the North Squad in that Futures game. Dude, what's new with Parkview Sports Medicine? Well, we just want to remind everybody, kind of as the winter season wraps up for sports, uh, maybe you guys have a break from um, your your season before you go out to a different sport, or, or maybe that's your one sport for the year. We have our PSM Performance Edge program. It's individualized, specialized training uh, for athletes of all different sports, all different levels. We kind of tailor-make it to your abilities, and, and really the results pay off. We talked about Snyder. How about uh, sophomore Amelia Reinhardt, she's an edge athlete, a diver, was a state runner-up this year, last weekend down in Indianapolis, incredible athlete, and she's really worked hard uh, in the in the pool and diving, but also in our edge performance class, so congrats to her as well. And for more information, you can just log on to parkviewsportsmedicine.com slash edge, and it'll have all the information on, on on how you can sign up and get a free consultation before you begin.
Dude, always appreciate it. Look forward to your coverage tomorrow night. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. That is Eric Dute. Dude Kevis joining us on the guest line from Parkview Sports Medicine. By the way, uh, news breaking that the Colts have claimed Christian Wilkerson off waivers from the Patriots. He is a wide receiver. If you're wondering why you might not have heard of Christian Wilkerson, it's because he went to Southeast Missouri State and last year played four games with four receptions. The first move of the Shane Steichen era. But but he had a pretty good percentage of getting into the end zone. He had four catches, and two of them were for touchdowns. Hey, you know, red zone. There you go. Beefing up that red zone. Uh, He is 6'1", 214 pounds, and uh, picked up on waivers off of the uh, Patriots roster. we got to take a break. we got another hour ahead. We're going to have the Judge Phil Houck talk to us. You know, now we're getting contradictory reports that maybe Notre Dame was willing to pay the buyout. Maybe they weren't. Are they just trying to save face? Uh, Let's talk to the man behind the fighting Irish preview. We'll talk to him coming up in about 15 minutes. So stick with us. It is the Sports Rush. Oh, you know what? Before we go to break, got to do this. I, I found that I've got another set of tickets. This time I've got three tickets in this package. Three tickets to the Mastodons game versus Wright State at the Gate Center coming up this Sunday. If you'd like these tickets, all you got to do, number one, is be available to pick them up here at the station tomorrow. We are on Maples Road between the old Southtown Mall, which is now like a Menards and Walmart, and uh, 469. So we're south of town, uh, but you got to be able to pick them up during business hours tomorrow. We've got three tickets, and if you'd like to win those three tickets... It's our it's our last pack of tickets on our Ticketpalooza. Uh, all you've got to do is text Don's, D-O-N-S, to 46862. That's Don's to 46.862. And congratulations to Lucas Hamilton, who picked up the tickets earlier in the show. So he'll be at the Don's game on Sunday. You can join Lucas, although you'll be a little higher up in the Gate Center. But you can wave down at Lucas uh, with these tickets. This is three tickets. Upper general admission seats. And uh, if you'd like to win those, text Don's to 46862. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.